Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a Talking Spartans and a Spartan Speak podcast. I'm Graham Couch, the Lansing State Journal, here with my colleague Chris Solari of the Detroit Free Press after Michigan State's 42-14 win uh, inside Spartan Stadium behind us against Youngstown State. Uh, they go to 2-0, um, uh, you know, obviously an overmatched opponent, a lower-level opponent, an FCS opponent. But there were some things on offense that they did very well, and I think some things on defense. They did okay, but some other things that are a little concerning. Well, I think the biggest thing is that they did what they were supposed to yeah. in terms of overmanning and overrunning what uh, Youngstown State was because they were overmatched. And, you know, I thought Michigan State's offensive line rotated about nine guys uh, throughout the first half, and they were able to put up 400-plus yards. And the first time they've done that uh, since 2007, uh, the offense in general – uh, for the whole game, put up 595, which is the most since 2014. First time since 2014 they put up back-to-back 500-yard games. So those are the things. This was a game coming out of the Northwestern game that you had to steamroll a lower-division opponent, and they did. But there were things. I, mean, I, I thought uh, Xavier Henderson talked about the, the amount of running they gave up uh, was not satisfying. Um, yeah. I think they were about 167 yards on the ground that they gave up. Uh, that's got to be corrected. And I think some of this is the new pieces that are on the defense more so than, you know, you, you had a lot of returning pieces on the offense and you just kind of put in Jared Horst and, and uh, Kenneth Walker. The defense is where a lot of those new guys have shown up. And uh, I think in the middle they played all right. But, again, without three defensive ends, how do you, how do you ja- judge and gauge this as a full picture effort for the yeah, defense. and, and Youngstown State did have a legitimate running back who I think could play at any any college level and, and a quarterback. He's played at almost every college. That's level. That's true. He was a great Division two two back, and and so, you know, yeah, you're, they give up 13 of 24 conversions on third and fourth down. That yeah. that that's not going to work as they no. face stiffer competition. But offensively, you're right. Like to me, you can say, well, Northwestern might not be very good, and this is Youngstown State. But when it's been since 2014 that they've done this on back to back games, that's not nothing. And the, and the thing that I think is is also important. I mean, when's the last time that anybody watched Michigan State play two games in a season and wasn't somewhat disappointed in something offensively? Felt like something that you hoped would happen didn't occur. And even some of the games they won, it was just a little sluggish. It wasn't quite – I don't think anybody after watching Northwestern and this is going, has any – thoughts of their limitations to this offense. There are areas they can grow, but nobody's thinking, boy, they just can't do this, and that's going to be a problem. Well, it was a balanced effort. I mean, you didn't have to use Kenneth Walker today. They were able to not use him, and Jordan Simmons runs for about a buck twenty. Um, you were able to stretch the defense, which was something that you weren't able to do against Northwestern. You saw Peyton Thorne do that right away. Great play calling today by Jay Johnson. Yeah. I, I think that's you know, that, that flea flicker to start oh. the game set the tone, and, and also on Scotty Hazelton by throwing a safety blitz. Yeah right at Youngstown State from the first play. I mean, you there are tone setters and there are 
I, it's what, I go back to what Mel Tucker said earlier this week. You know, there's clues in success, and you see that. You see the things that are there that that Michigan State can build on, um, and particularly like you mentioned on the offensive side. I mean, Jaden Reed played a fantastic game. Peyton Thorne played a fantastic game, but they're still able to spread the ball around, and that's that's critical when you start getting one guy. Now you can throw to a back. You can throw to Jalen Naylor. You can throw to Trey Mosley. They've got a lot of other options and a lot of other weapons right now, which they didn't have the last couple. Of years. Yeah, and the flea flicker. I agree with you. I'm like, first of all, the opponent has to know, have to has to have seen Kenneth Walker. Yeah. So when you hand off to him on the first play, they're going to bite. Like that is the ideal time for a flea flicker. And it, you know, second straight game they open the game with a 75 yard touchdown. They get another 85 yard touchdown. Like these are the explosive plays we just were not seeing late in the D'Antonio yeah. era and and part of that is you know and you see why D'Antonio was hoping Jaden Reed would be eligible in yes, his final year good um and he is sort of now blossoming into the player I think they thought he'd be when he, he left Western Michigan but let's talk about the running backs for a sec because I think and, and Elijah Collins obviously left with a boot on his left yep. foot so we'll see he's what, not the only one yeah Anthony Russo we'll see and there's some other uh-huh. guys dinged up like we'll see where this uh, that that could be an issue, but there is depth at running back, and they seem to have. And I think today, I mean, I know Walker uh, only had seven carries, and Jordan Simmons had 16 for for 121 yards. But that that is them preserving Walker. That is them understanding yep. who he is to this team. But Jordan Simmons is an impressive player when he puts his foot in, in the ground and goes. And I thought Elijah Collins, while he's not Walker, you hope he's healthy because what what you know if, if you're Michigan State, what he gives you is. I don't want to say a poor man's walker. That's not the right thing. But he, he's a little more of the the, the, the running back with vision and, and yeah, use and out I, of the backfield. I, I, I think you things. can use him in, in the pass he's game. I think, him, I think yeah. he's got a blend of what Walker and what Simmons yeah. do well. Um, they didn't use Harold Joyner until uh, very late yeah. in the game. They didn't, again, didn't need to after he got hurt at Northwestern. So, you know, I, I think the one thing with Collins, uh, you hope that it's not a long-term foot injury from a kid who just came off a year where COVID just destroyed a nearly thousand yard yeah. rusher. Um, Cause he did in that one drive. I mean, he accounted for on, I think a four play drive or a five play drive, all the plays and really set up that screen pass nicely um, after running the ball really well and getting around the edge and showing some burst and power uh, to get through some contact things that he couldn't do last year. I think he looked back. He looked like what we heard about during camp um, the question now is, if you, if you got a foot, you know how how tough is that to, to kind of deal with? Right. I mean, I think three carries for 32 yards and the 20-yard screen pass on that on that drive, and, and yet what you see, what's funny is Walker comes back late in the first half after playing early, and then and you see on on one run, like he had two runs in this game that to me separate him from other backs, and this is why they know he's a star, and this is, I mean, today in some ways did not, you know, his numbers won't catch anybody's eyes nationally, but if you're watching the game. He solidified his place. It's just he's just a notch above yeah. these guys because so there's the 24-yard run he has where he's just kind of corralled and able to break out there. But then the other one is the six-yard touchdown run. It takes a juke on a linebacker safety. I'm not sure. I think it was a linebacker, and then carries like two, three guys into the end zone with him to finish. It's like just so much to his game and, and, and as a natural yeah. as, a, as a powerful and quick running back, and and they know he's a he's a key part and them reaching a ceiling. Uh, that maybe they didn't think they had. And there was at least one or two others where he had guys at his ankles that he was not only able to just get through it, but also move forward and get a pickup up two, three, four, five more yards. I mean, it, it was he showed in in his little subset there 
of seven carries, he showed a lot of the same things he did at Northwestern. And again, they didn't need him. Yeah. Uh, I thought Donovan Eaglin had a nice game at the end. Yeah. You know, if if Collins is banged up and and if Joyner somehow isn't able to go at, at Miami uh, in a week, the he gives you another option. So I mean, it, it, and really, if if they're not if they're in a close game, they're going to use two backs mostly yeah. anyway. I mean, you saw last week they didn't go with Elijah Collins any anyway. So um, I, I mean, I think as long as Walker and 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 uh, Jordan Simmons are healthy, they're, they're okay at the position. What would get interesting at quarterback? It appears Anthony Russo has a um, a boot on his foot, and, and again, a boot does not mean like I remember growing up. Like somebody came to school with a boot on, it's like, oh man, that's a broken foot. You're yeah. out forever. They put a boot on everything now. You twist it, you sneeze on it, you put a boot on it, and so you, you don't especially know, at this level of athlete. Yeah, you don't know exactly what that means. Um, but if if he's out, and, and it must have happened on that last play where he fumbled because yeah. they, they didn't get the ball back, all of a sudden. You're a snap from having to go with Noah Kim, uh, you know, uh, an injury to, to, to Peyton Thorne, and obviously you don't you don't plan on injuries. I'll say this though, I don't think there's Peyton Thorne is their their starter. They are not scared of putting Noah Kim in the game. I, I am certain of that. Now that right. he is not the backup, he didn't beat out Anthony Russo. He's not. There's a reason for that, but they're not scared of playing him if if they need him for a series or two. Obviously, if you lose, if you were to lose Thorne and Russo's out. You've lost your depth, and the season changes probably. But um, I, I don't think that, in terms of just a, um, I don't think the drop off between two and three, in other words, is that severe on this team. That's Maybe my, I mean, without really knowing and seeing them in practice, yeah. it's kind of hard to gauge. Right. But I do think that there's a there's something with, that comes with the experience that Russo totally. brings versus Kim, who has yet to take a college snap. I thought what was interesting today, the quarterback spot, they only dressed three, yep. and it's a home game. So no Hamp Fay uh, and none of the other walk-on quarterbacks. I think there are two other walk-on quarterbacks, and Zach Gillespie and Andrew Shorefar. So, you know, if if Russo's foot is a significant problem, then you're going to have to get one of those guys prepared to go to Miami, uh, probably Hamp Fay, um, depending on what's going on. Because again, we don't we heard medical reasons for one guy or for the three defensive ends being out, which you know in this time and era i think we kind of have a hint what yeah. that might mean yeah so well and and, and go back to thorn because thorn's the guy they're expecting to play all all next yeah. week and and he is uh, to me he, he took some strides today there i mean the the pass to to uh jane reed for the 85 yard touchdown in stride now the two defenders weren't like hugging reed but it was between two defenders in stride so it allowed reed to go but by the way and any of those just heard those sounds if you're listening on the podcast it does it is remarkable to me and I understand people don't see that after all these years, people still don't recognize when maybe somebody's doing a video. But you, know you know what, though? It's, I, do you blame them? I mean, it, uh, that's one thing I think that we haven't even talked about is just the fact that the crowd was there. And you can see the top of the stadium yeah, uh, yeah. up there. A little bit of wind here, which I hope really not get um, picked up. You know, that's something I think that the, the crowd, I thought, brought a lot of energy. I mean, yeah. a first play, I mean, you saw that at Northwestern, with, which was basically a home crowd with the first play touchdown there. And then you see a first play touchdown here, and people are kind of perplexed because they haven't seen offense in so long. And I, I thought it was it, it was it was interesting to see crowd back here and hear the crowd, and and you could hear the crowd. And it was it was a factor today, you know. Whether that holds up, you know, all depends on what kind of things they're put. I wrote about that this morning for in the free presses, you know, before the game. I said how long they stick and how much. 
the buzz grows depends on what they do. Yeah, and right. there's a good chance that if they can now they're two and zero, they can go to Miami and if they can beat Miami on the road, now you're looking at three and zero, possibly four and zero because Nebraska is not very good, and possibly five and zero because you got your next game is against Western Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, think about the buzz. I mean, you think about some of the buzz that you some of Saban's yeah, yeah, some of Saban's teams had that kind of buzz that started building with minimal to low expectations and as the winds mounted the energy in the building the energy in campus and everything else on game day is picked up uh, i think that's kind of what mel tucker's hope yeah, they're, they're certainly a compelling story right a compelling team i think people are intrigued they're hopeful all that stuff now again miami and, and as we as we, we do this um as we record this uh, miami's in a, in a tussle with appalachian state they got humbled a bit by Alabama, which everybody gets humbled by Alabama. It doesn't mean you're not a good a good team. So, but we'll find out what they are next week, and I think we'll find out a lot more about MSU. Uh, you can read our complete coverage in the Free Press at Detroit uh, Freep.com, at LSJ.com, GreenandWhite.com. Thanks for watching. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.